want to welcome you to Valley Life this morning. My name is Adam Young. If we have not had the opportunity to meet just yet, I'm one of the pastors here and uh, excited that you chose to be with us for this special Sunday. Uh, this Sunday actually marks some transitions for the life of our church. Many of you will be familiar with them. Some of you, this may be new. Um, one of those transitions is happening now that we are moving into mud season. And historically, what we have started last year uh, is that during mud season, um, our Sunday nights transition from being a worship gathering, just like this one on Sunday nights. If you haven't been a part of that before, we sing the same songs, we deliver the same message. Everything about it is the same um, through ski season. But then during mud season, we transition our Sunday nights from a worship gathering into a Bible study. And so this year, we will do that just for the month of May. So tonight marks the end of, uh, or will be the last uh, Sunday night worship gathering. We will transition to Bible study uh, next week, and then we'll be doing something different when it comes to the summer. And for the Bible study this fall, excuse me, this spring in May, um, we're doing a couple things. And one of them is we're reading this book, titled Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And then uh, as a part of our gathering, um, we'll discuss the book um, in part, but we'll spend a lot of our time uh, studying scripture passages that are connected to kind of the themes that run throughout the book. And so we would love for you uh, to not only be a part of Sunday night, but to grab one of these books, um, to read it along with us. Uh, the books are available on the bookshelf in the back. And if you can afford to cover the cost of your book, which is $5, um, you can give it. If you can't afford it, then take a book anyways. Now, you can still be a part of Sunday Nights without reading this book, but we are going to talk about things that come out of this book. And so it would be helpful if you read part of it. You don't need to read anything this coming week uh, for our first gathering next Sunday night. Next Sunday night, we'll kind of give further instructions on what to start reading as we start diving deeper. And let me tell you a little bit about what this book is and what it isn't. Um, this is in many ways like an autobiography of a church in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and uh, this, this is a story of something incredible that God did uh, in that church. Um, it's called the Brooklyn Tabernacle. And many years ago, the church was on the verge of closing their doors. As a matter of fact, in the opening of the book, the, the guy who became the pastor there in his 20s, he was there preaching on a Sunday night and the building was so old and everything was falling apart so much that there were only about 10 people in the crowd, but five of them were sitting on one pew. And in the middle of his preaching, the pew broke and those five people went to the floor. Um, that's like the beginning of his time in this church. I mean, they were, they couldn't pay their bills. It, it was, it was rough. And they started asking this question of what would happen if a group of people devoted themselves to prayer? Like what would happen if instead of trying all the newest tricks of growing a church and all the new growth, church growth strategies, and what if we just trusted the Lord to do something and we asked him and believed that he would answer those prayers and do it? And it's a story of how God entered into the scene of this little church and started doing incredible things. Um, and so uh, this is in many ways an autobiography, not just of the pastor, but of the church. 
That's what the book is. Here's what the book is not. The book is not filled with magic formulas that if you will just follow these steps, um, God will do certain things in your life. Okay, God isn't a genie in a bottle that if we just do the right things in the right way, he's obligated to fulfill our wildest dreams. What the scriptures do teach, though, is that we serve a God who is able to do more than all we could ask or imagine. And God does call on us, uh, does command us to call out on him. So this book isn't full of formulas that if you'll just follow this magic formula, then everything in life will go right, or that uh, all your bank accounts will explode, or anything. It, that God is not a God to be manipulated. What it is a story of is what happens if a group of people genuinely devote themselves to prayer as individuals and as a church. So we're going to read this book, and we'll talk about some of the things that happen in the book, in the life of these people and the church. And then on Sunday nights, we'll also do some scripture study about prayer. And so that's what we're going to do in the month of May. And you may ask yourself, like, why, why would we do that? Like, why would we do that on a Sunday night or, or at all as a church? And it's because of what we value. The things that we do in life, we do not, be, not because of what we believe, but because of what we value. I'm going to say that again. What we do in life as individuals and corporately is not because of what we believe, it's because of what we value. Let me give you an illustration. I can't imagine that there's hardly any adults in this entire country who don't believe that it's a good idea to live on less than you make. I can't imagine that there's hardly any adults in this entire country who don't believe that it's good to save for the future. But in every statistic and survey out there, the majority of American adults spend more than they make and they don't save for the future. Why? If we believe that it's wise to do those things, why don't we do it? It's because we value today more than tomorrow. It's because most of us value having what we want now more than we value having what we need in the future. What we do is not really built on what we believe, it's built on what we value. Now that is not to say belief doesn't matter, but that our actions are largely driven by what we value. We have values in this church. One of the things that we value is authenticity and community in this church. We often say it like this, that we want to know others and be known by others. And when you know that that's one of our values here at Valley Life, journey groups make complete sense. If you know that we value authenticity and community, we value knowing others and being known by others, then it makes sense why we do journey groups and why we share our stories in those journey groups because that fosters authenticity and community. It helps us to be known and to know. And one of the things that we value at Valley Life is being devoted to prayer. And so because we value prayer so much, because we value being devoted to prayer, that's why we would read a book about prayer. It's why we would study scriptures on prayer and have discussion about it. It's why in the summers our Sunday nights transition to prayer and to worship, because we don't just say 
we value prayer because we actually do value it, it bleeds out into what we do. That's why we preach on prayer. That's why sometimes we have Sunday mornings um, where we'll teach a little on prayer and then just give you space and time to actually put it into practice and pray right here, right now, because we value being devoted to prayer. Our actions are largely built not on what we believe, but on what we value. I'm excited to spend a few moments with you guys in the Word this morning. Go ahead and grab Scripture if you haven't already. You can scan the QR code as well. Scriptures are on the app there. Thanks, Adam. It's um, refreshing to be able to go back and consider the values we have as a church and how prayer fits into that. Luke chapter 11 is where we'll be for closing moments here together. Have you guys learned how to do anything new this year? Nobody. Nobody has. <laughs> so I, uh, I think especially when I was kind of considering where we'd go this morning, I thought about things that we may learn that are new, and I thought about even uh, Timberline students. By the way, uh, last Sunday of Timberline students being here, so uh, so much enjoyed having you guys part of our church this year. But even as I considered you guys as Timberline students getting here, many of you maybe had not skied or snowboarded uh, before you got here. Um, maybe for uh, any of us, you're trying to learn a new musical instrument or Maybe you've learned a new activity like cross-country skiing. And when I thought about new activities that I've learned lately, um, it was not near as exciting as like skiing or something new. Um, what I've learned um, lately, see my foot has been killing me and so I learned some new foot stretches lately. <laughs> I thought, man, that's a sign of getting older. When I'm like, what have I learned new lately? Yeah, YouTube videos of how to stretch my foot better. See, when we learn something new, when we want to learn something new, the norm is to consult some type of friend or expert or watch a video. When, we, when there's something we don't know how to do or we feel like there's a gap, where, like I had a, a gap in not being able to stretch as well, then I consulted an expert or some YouTube videos or self-proclaimed expert and learned something new. Well, Jesus knew how to do lots of stuff that his followers knew nothing about or had no ability to do. Let me say that again. Jesus knew how to do a lot of stuff that his followers did not know how to do or maybe knew nothing about. The scriptures are obviously not an entire every word account of everything that Jesus and his followers talked about, but we do have this account, and so we look at it, and so we, we don't, again, it's not an entire account, but what we do know is this. There's only one time that the disciples asked Jesus how to do something. When you look at, what, at what's recorded in the scriptures, the one thing they asked, they recognized the gap there, and I just thought, man, if I was following Jesus around as one of his disciples, I just began to think of things that I could ask real time, Jesus in the flesh, things I didn't know how to do, and things I saw him do, 
I thought I might say, hey, Jesus, you remember last week? Um, we, we were out in the boat, and uh, you did something crazy. You, you walked on the water. You remember doing that? And, of course, he'd be like, yes, I remember doing that. And then I might say, Jesus, can you teach me how to do that? Because I could, I could see some real application to that. <laughs> could you teach me how to do that? And then I, I thought about when, um, when, when Jesus, uh, again, maybe if I was there, Jesus in the flesh, and I'm talking to him, I may say, Jesus, um, you remember uh, the other day when um, it was crazy, you, you, Lazarus, he was dead, and you raised him up to life, um, hey, could you teach me how to do that? Because I think that may have some real application in the future. I, I th- I, I, this, I'm probably going to see some people die, and so Jesus, could you teach me how to raise people from the dead? And of all the things they could ask Jesus how to do, the thing that we have recorded that they asked Jesus about is in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. So if you're not already there, let's read it together. Because of time, we won't spend a whole lot of time considering a whole lot of scriptures, mainly just this one. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was, what was he doing? Praying. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. They said, Jesus, there's something we've been wanting to ask you. How exactly are we supposed to pray? Will you teach us to pray like you did? Like like you were just doing? Will you teach us to pray like that? And it just makes me wonder, what did they see in Jesus' prayer life that was compelling enough to ask that Jesus would teach them how to pray? We could speculate a little bit. Maybe they saw and recognized prayer as the real engine behind everything that Jesus did. Maybe that was what they, they recognized. Maybe they started to see and understand that Jesus' power actually came from his connection with the Father, and thus prayer was the catalyst in that. Maybe that's why, that's the, the thing we have recorded in the scriptures as to what they asked Jesus about and, and wanted Jesus to teach them how to do. And regardless of what the motivation was, they do see something amazing and intriguing in the way Jesus prays. And they say to Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, we want to we pray like you. Teach us to pray like that. And it just got me thinking about all the things that we ask for, I mean, currently, right now. All the things we ask him for in prayer. Right? I just begin to go through the list of things I've asked him for and things maybe you've asked him for. We've asked him for health, either for us or someone else. We've asked him for maybe a different financial situation than what we're currently under. We've asked him for friends, right? Maybe some of you just this week, maybe you're like, Jesus, I need better friends. Can you give me better friends? We've asked him for favorable circumstances among a whole host of other things. And while these are in no way bad things to ask for, I wouldn't say any of those are bad things to pray. 
I just begin to think through, maybe I'm missing the boat when it comes to what I ask for, or maybe my understanding of prayer, and maybe my recognition of, of maybe needing to pray the same thing that his followers prayed, or, or asked, right? Jesus, would you teach me to pray? Would you teach us to pray? We can think of that as a church family, right? Jesus, teach us to pray. And you can make it personal. Jesus, teach me to pray. You guys know I just, um, this spring, had about a seven-week sabbatical. It was awesome. And I knew going into sabbatical that uh, prayer would be one of those things. I felt like that he really wanted me to focus in on and had something for me in prayer And one of the first few days of sabbatical, I sat down in my chair in the bedroom to pray, and I just felt completely lost. Sat down in the chair to pray, and just felt lost. Because I began to realize in this season of my life, I was really comfortable praying with you guys as a church family. I was really comfortable even praying with another person or two. But when it came to just... Me and the Lord, I was totally lost. I didn't even know where to start. I mean, here's pastor, I sat down in my chair on sabbatical and was going to start praying. I was like, I got nothing. <laughs> I'm sobering. I began to realize that maybe in this season was about a need to reacquaint myself with him in a, in a real one-on-one kind of basis, right? And so my prayer was similar to the disciples' prayer. Lord, would you teach me to pray? Lord, would you teach this pastor how to pray? Lord, would you teach me anew what it's supposed to look like? Well, in the Scriptures in this passage, in answering their request, when they said, Jesus, you just, you pray so differently. Would you teach us how to pray? Jesus goes into what we call the Lord's Prayer, or what, depending on your tradition you grew up in, the Our Father. And for this morning, I'll close with reading and praying through the Lord's Prayer I just taught through this just before sabbatical, and so we won't spend time this Sunday really digging in deeply, but maybe this is a return to some simplicity, where when his followers said, Jesus, teach us to pray, then Jesus gives us this prayer. And during sabbatical, it was really helpful for me just to Go back to the simplicity of praying through the Lord's Prayer. We talked about being still last week um, and part, part of just sitting in prayer and stillness and how difficult that is for us. And here we have words that Jesus says, hey, these are, it's not meant to be some kind of magic words, but there are some things here in this prayer that are really helpful for us to pray when we don't know what to pray, Right? when we don't know how to pray. And so, this is how we're going to close our time, is I'm going to give us just a little bit of silence, maybe 
in honoring some of that being still that we talked about last week. Being still and in our stillness, knowing that He's God. That's what the psalm says, right? Be still and in your stillness, know that He's God. And then I'm going to begin just to pray through the Lord's Prayer. It's recorded in Luke 11 and in Matthew as well. And maybe as we close this way in prayer, maybe you sense the Lord's voice the same way that I have recently of, Lord, would you just teach me to pray? Maybe it's, maybe I don't know what your background is. Maybe prayer between you and the Lord is really foreign. Maybe you've not grown up uh, being accustomed to praying to the Lord just between you and Him, or maybe it's something that you feel like, yeah, I haven't realized that, that I've kind of forgotten that or lost it or somewhere along the way have forgotten what it looks like to pray just between me and Him. So let's go to Him in prayer, and as we spend time in stillness, ask Him to still your heart that you might know that He's God in the stillness. And then as we begin to pray through the Lord's Prayer, maybe you're able to kind of think and process in a way that you haven't in a long time when it comes to prayer. Let's go to Him. as we talked a couple of weeks ago about just being still before you in prayer and as we come to you in stillness sometimes there's just a little bit of awkwardness God and honestly or maybe we realize I'm not sure I really know how to pray or remember how to pray or remember what it's like just for you and I to spend time together In the awkwardness and the silence, maybe, Lord, our prayer is, Lord, would you just teach me how to pray? Lord, either for the first time or a relearning of what it seems like we've learned a dozen times. Together. We say, Our Father, reminding us that this is a prayer meant to be prayed in community, together, Our Father. We thank you for the relationship that we can have with you through your Son, Jesus, and be able to call you Father. How amazing. The Creator God, that we can call you Father. Our Father, who's Home is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. 
Lord, may your name be lifted up above all others. Of all the names and causes that we tend to throw our worship at, may your name be lifted up above all others. Lord, our prayer is that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. Lord, that obviously means not my will. I'm laying my will before you. We're laying our will before you. And we're telling you, God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in this valley, Lord, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? Lord, in, in my family's life, would your kingdom come? Would your will be done? Lord, in my life, May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, we ask that you would give us daily bread. Lord, give us just what we need for today. Lord, we're asking you that you would be our sustenance, that you would be what we need to live on. Of all the wells that we go to, expecting to find life, and they just ended up being empty, full of sand. Lord, we ask that you would be our daily bread. Lord, may we look to you and you alone for life. Lord, we do pray that you would forgive us of our debts. Lord, in that we're confessing that we don't measure up. Lord, would you forgive us for the ways we fall short of you. And then, Lord, the same forgiveness that you offer us, Lord, would you allow us, by the power of your Spirit, to offer that same forgiveness to others? Lord, forgive us our debts in the same way that we forgive others. Lord, that tie between those two, Lord, as we understand the great ways you've forgiven us, the great grace and mercy that you offer us, Lord, by your by the power of your spirit, would you allow us to pour that out on the folks around us, the people we live with, our families, people we work with. Lord, we pray that the road in front of us would not lead into temptation. Lord, so many, so many things we're tempted with in the course of, of even a day. Lord, would you lead our path away from temptation? And Lord, when temptation does hit, when it does come against us, Lord, would you deliver us from evil? Would you deliver us from the evil in us, Lord? Would you deliver us from the evil one who has set snares for us and traps? Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And Lord, lastly, we confess some things together in prayer. We confess that the kingdom is yours and not ours and not mine. Lord, help us to understand we're not living for our own kingdom. There's, that's a dead end road. Lord, yours is the kingdom. Lord, the power is yours and not mine. And the glory is yours and not mine. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. And not just for a few minutes, Lord. Forever. Forever you're on your throne. 
and forever your presence with us as believers. We pray these things together. Amen.